1: I, I've never been willing to sacrifice the things I believe can be good for the world, but I was trying to navigate it alongside of the pursuit of the fame and the attention and the, the glory. Humans have this, I believe, innate desire, if we want to respond to or not, to care for those around us. It brings about a whole new purpose and a whole new joy in the human when they choose to do it. It's like we're made for it.
0: Let's take a breath. Hey guys, I'm Cindy Latvaco and welcome to Something to Share. Every Wednesday, I sit down with people you may have seen on your TV screens, experts in their fields, or just people I find inspirational so that they have a platform to dive into the things that they really want to talk about. We all have something to share, something that we're going through, and something that we need to hear. So let's get started. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. Wherever you're listening from, I am just so happy that you're here and welcome. Um, I'm your host, Sydney, and I'm very excited about today's episode as I'm always am. Um, But I have a good friend. I consider Ben a very good friend on the podcast. Uh, We have Ben Higgins, which I'm sure a lot of you know if you are a fan of The Bachelor or just a fan of his. Um, He's very well known in Bachelor Nation as probably one of the more popular bachelors, I would say. And besides that, he is just very involved with the franchise and he does a lot of great philanthropy work. I feel with um, watching him from the outside just does a lot of good for the world, which is interesting because I remember first meeting Ben was actually when I was on Colton season. It was the finale. And I had this idea of Ben. Um, for watching a season. I was actually a fan. And I think I connected with him as many of us did, because despite the fact that he was The Bachelor, he was put on this pedestal, he was very popular, he had women fawning over him. He was just felt very down to earth and relatable, like someone I could connect to within this disconnected kind of world as The Bachelor sometimes seems to be. And I always uh, admired that about him. And then when I became a franchise person or when I went on the show, um, there were certain people that I kind of idolized as I'm sure many of us did. And Ben was definitely one of them just because of the way he carried himself. And I found that just um, very inspiring just because of the fact that he had been on multiple TV shows and still had this way of uh, presenting to the world that he was down to earth and easy. you could just walk up to him on the street and say hi. And from meeting him, it was exactly what I thought. He is just very down to earth. And the thing that I found unique about Ben is that when he is in conversation with you, he feels very present. Like he feels there. And what I mean by that, he's not like, you don't feel like he's just saying hi because he has to say hi, or you don't feel like he is just, you know, in the conversation until he can like leave. He is there. He's present. He is taking you in, which is such a unique um, quality to have. And I think it's very powerful And what makes him very kind of magnetic is just the way that he is so present. And um, for getting to know him a little bit better, um, I think I had guested on his podcast a few times and I got to know him there. But it wasn't until I had the opportunity to go and dance in Bachelor Live on stage, which he and Becca were the hosts of. So it was really great because we got to build a friendship that way, us and the dancers. And the thing that I most enjoyed about that is Like we weren't hosts and dancers. We were like all a little family, a little unit, And it was a short period of time. But Ben always kind of was like the older brother figure. He always kind of gave us um, the thought for the show or he would pray for us before the show. And whether you believe in that or not, it was just like he's always someone that I could just look up to and seek advice from. But the difference between that and like knowing, getting to know him on the show – is that you see him as this like this guy that has it all together and he's like the host and he has all these followers and he's been all, all on all these TV shows and he's super down to earth. But it wasn't until I actually got to read his book, Alone in Plain Sight, which just came out recently, that I got to see this whole other side of him, which I think he's now showing to the world even more. The side that like he goes through struggles that we – I guess me or just people from the outside don't always – see that from the people that we idolize or the people that are famous or the people that just seem like they have it all together. We just don't think of them having the same maybe struggles or things that they deal with. And everyone's struggles are going to be different and look um, differently and become in different like packages, but we're all going to go through struggle in our lives. We're all going to go through different trials and I think by him writing this book, it's really interesting how he was—he's able to lift that veil very beautifully, and he tells all these amazing stories, some of his own, at some of like some really amazing people that have gone through really trying things and have still come out on the other side of them, or have still found like hope and faith or something that kind of pulled them through, despite. What may seem like impossible to someone else. um, So I definitely recommend reading the book if you haven't. It's such an, a good read and I love the way he um tells stories and a lot of them are so touching and I'm not going to give them away, but I think what's powerful about the book is it helps to see that people, even like Ben, go through these things. People struggle or go through their own insecurities or whatever it is to get them to where – they are now, or where they want to be, and we don't always see that when we see them from the outside. We don't always think like they had to struggle or they had to work for certain things. And um, I think it's always really cool when you get to see the other side of that, which is a lot of what I wanted to do with this podcast was to get to show you the other side of like famous people or people with huge followings or people that we idolize or people that have been successful and getting to see like how they did it or how they struggled or how that their final product wasn't actually the success story or whatever the story is, just getting to see a different side of people knowing that we all we all can do it too. It's not just something that those people can do. It's something that we can all do. And I, that's what my hope was with an element of this podcast was getting you all, to, whoever's listening to this to think like, oh, if they can do it, if they went through tribulations like that, if they had to work for things like that, so then so can I, which I think is really powerful because it can just show people that anything can be possible and it gives you more reasons to believe. Besides that, this conversation I just love because I felt like we even got a different side of Ben where he's he's going through what seems like this transition now in his life from the before the Bachelor Nation, Ben, the famous one, the one that he is very open with like – because he almost didn't have to really work that hard for certain things during that period of his life. And now he's kind of transitioning to um, what he hopes is some, a life with more purpose and meaning behind, especially the work that he's doing. And I think it's a really interesting time. And I think it's a cool view on what we all view as like the ultimate, right? Like the fame, the followers. I mean, not everyone necessarily thinks that, but like that's what is kind of put on a pedestal in Society and seeing someone that's kind of experienced that and has gotten a taste of it, and now it's kind of like, eh, that was great, but I want to shift it in this direction, um, which I think is really amazing to realize that because it's, I'm sure, very difficult to have a taste of that life and not want to keep pursuing it or keep doing what you can to stay in the scene, for lack of a better word. I mean, I got a small, very small taste of it when I was on the show and I could totally see how sometimes your decisions will shift because you want to keep this opportunity going for as long as you can. And we talk about that a little bit, but I just think it's a super interesting conversation and really cool to see the kind of behind the scenes of that. So definitely enjoy this episode. I think this is one that you will all connect with Um, whether you're a fan of Ben or the show or not. I think there's so much in this episode to take away from. So definitely please listen and share it with someone that you care about, someone that can take away that same hope and inspiration that I think this episode definitely has. Um, Besides that, this weekend or the past few weekends, I think Nick and I have just been kind of taking things easy and just kind of chilling on the weekends, which is so lovely. And I think summer can be insane and traveling and all the things. And we've just kind of the past few weekends not really been doing much and it's been really nice. And even Sunday, um, one of the days in particular, we went, uh, we woke up on Sunday, we wanted to go to the gym because he hadn't gone the day before and I just wanted to move around. But then we woke up and neither of us wanted to go. And we were like, no, yeah, I'm just not feeling it. I'm tired. And so we decided to instead just go on a walk, which I'm obsessed with walks. I don't think they get enough praise. They're just – I love them. And so we went on a walk around um, near his high school, which is super precious. And then after that, we went and got coffee. And um, there was this little adorable flower truck on the outside of the coffee shop. So I went in and I ordered my coffee. And then I went outside and you could build your own bouquet, which was just so lovely and – Um, I got to like pick out which ones I wanted and then she put it together in this really adorable, um, little bouquet thing. And it's literally, it was literally one of those days or one of those moments like where you stop and smell the roses. Like you literally stopped and smell the roses because it was just such a simple morning, but I, the amount of joy that it brought me and how nice it was just to like take such a slow day and be with the people that you love and you know, take time and not be so rushed and not feeling like you have to do certain things or, you know, checking off to do a to-do list. It was just so nice to do such a simple morning and do it with someone that I really love and kind of celebrate those smaller moments. And I love to remind myself of that and other people that's, It is not always about the goals, the efficiency of our days. It sometimes can just be about going on a walk with someone that you love and picking flowers. And that is so such a beautiful thing. It's helpful just to kind of remind yourself that sometimes you just got to stop and smell the roses. So maybe I'll challenge you today to, if you're listening to this episode, to take it outside, go on a walk, take a breath, um, give yourself just an hour to do less and Take in what this episode has to share and, you know, take a deep breath and know that everything's going to be good and it's more than okay and necessary to take time for yourself um, to show yourself that love and to stop and smell the damn roses, you know? So yeah, that's kind of it for me today. I'm excited about this episode and for you guys to hear it with Ben. So please, again, share it. And if you haven't already, make sure that you like the podcast on Apple Podcasts so you can be reminded of episodes every week and I can continue to grow it and get it to the people that I know need to hear it. So enjoy this episode today, guys, with Ben.
1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: I should be wearing your Hope Still Win sweat, or shirt that I bought. It's super soft. But you should. I should be didn't match with my flannel, so Mm -hmm. I was going Midwestern for today, but whatever. (laughs) Anyways, let's just jump in. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad to see your face.
1: I'm just glad (laughs) to be able to talk to you, and I'm glad you're doing a podcast because the world needs to hear more of you.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that.
1: that. I believe
0: Um, that. I've had a lot of ups and downs with it, but I finally feel in a place where it's like what i wanted from the beginning like something that's actually my own thing Mm -hmm. so it's been wonderful um how are you you just started a podcast how are things on that front? how's your life
1: oh wow um life is is honestly really good it's very transitional right now Mm -hmm. i feel like every i feel like it's a really exciting time um for me but also it's a really hard time um a lot of things in my life are changing and in some of the best ways, right? I'm getting married. Mm-hmm. Um, the The bachelor, I'm no longer going to be a bachelor. And for five years of my life, I've been, um, my identity's been built in being a bachelor of some sort. Yeah. Um,
0: you were the bachelor at one
1: point. <laughs> I was the bachelor at one point. And that's exciting to be moving on past that because I don't want to live in that forever. But it also means like I'm separating myself from years and years and years of my identity and what I've been told I am moving into something different. And, and that's why you just said, you know, I started Hope Still Wins, which is a podcast that uh, I started because I I love it. I believe in it. Um, I'd want to do it for the rest of my life. It's been hard to launch it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, people are listening, but like I would be great if it was an immediate success because for years of my life, Sydney, a lot of things that I was able to do were become immediate successes because of the platform.
0: Yeah.
1: And this is a season where that's not always going to happen. And that's great. It just means different kind of uh, a different kind of goal, maybe a different kind of outlook on it, uh, different expectations. Um, but hope still wins is a, is something I want to do for the rest of my life. So we're going to work to make it something great.
0: Well, that's kind of great too, because then it's almost more worth it if it's harder to get there, if you have to really like fine tune it and work for it and, you know, put that message out there. So I almost think that it's, better that it's a little bit more difficult right now. So in, in the end, it'll be more what you wanted it to be, I think. At least that's what I, I've been experiencing.
1: <laughs> I would 100% agree with you. Um, you know, life was easy for a while. Like I got paid to put that picture up on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got paid for one picture as much as I was making the first five years of my career for working a full year. Wow. Like I don't, I didn't have to work for much. Uh, I tried to work for stuff. I still tried to choose things that I cared about and that I believe would be good long term. What you get, what I think what you miss in that is like difficult seasons or seasons of kind of some grit and some grime and some like tough stuff going on at the seasons that you one learn the most from and be, to become most appreciative for, because later on in life, you're gonna be better for them. And for years, I don't know how many of those I had. I think I thought I was like in the creating the narrative that I had them. Mm-hmm. When it came to mostly work, uh, there was other things going on that were obviously difficult, but mostly when it came to like work and how I was putting food on the table, I didn't have to work that hard. Now I have to work pretty hard uh, and I'm excited for this again. I need to. It's good for me. It's good good to feel like nothing's going to be given.
0: How does it feel to have like purpose now behind your work? Like I feel like you have with Generous and things like that, but Mm -hmm. you said like putting up a picture on Instagram, getting paid for it. Like how does it feel now to be transitioning into like a purposeful workspace.
1: Well, I, yeah. So I believe that this stuff that, that I'm like, I'm doing it now because it's, I've learned a couple things here over the last five years that I'm now starting to identify. One is that fame is not at all fulfilling. Mm. Uh, And so any search of fame or relevancy um, can be really beneficial when you have the opportunity, but also it's not going to fulfill the soul and the passions and the desires too, is that I was willing to, um, I've never been willing to sacrifice the things I believe can be good for the world, but I was trying to navigate it alongside of the pursuit of the fame and the attention and the the glory. Um, So now that I have to work for this stuff, I'm ecstatic. I just Mm -hmm. don't know how anymore. (laughs) Um, You know, like, I don't know what it's like to have patience. I don't know what it's like to take time. I don't know what it's like to sit in seasons of learning and listening and hoping and dreaming. But like, those are good things that I can't wait to bring back in or that I've already started to bring back in. Even with generous, like generous was a quickly growing coffee company. COVID hit one of our stores shut down. The other store had to shut down just temporarily. The other store shut down for good. Mm -hmm. Um, Sales dropped momentum slowed down and then, I'm still in charge. And so once we get out of COVID, now it's, hey, we have employees to still pay. We have a mission to still pursue. We've got to, we've got to get tough. Like we've got to, I've actually got to like strategically figure this out again. There is a a really exciting thing to happen when you sit down at the end of the day, you have a drink in your hand and you go, like, I, I worked today. Like I I I put some some sweat in today, some frustrations in the day. You feel alive again. And uh, and so that to me, I'm I'm excited to keep feeling alive and feeling like I'm working towards something, something hopefully good.
0: Mm -hmm. I think so. That's so nice that you have that perspective because you kind of had the extremes of life. Like you had the fame, you have that thing that everyone puts on a pedestal for like the ultimate end goal, but you had that and now you're kind of pulling yourself into a different direction. So I think it's cool that you have that experience to kind of pull from and then knowing what you want for the rest of your life. So that's Mm -hmm. pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and, and it doesn't come just like naturally. Yeah, I think it comes from me saying, "Oh my gosh, it is amazing to have my cover on the cover, fi- or my face on the cover of magazines. Oh my gosh, it's amazing to get paid for this. I'm getting invited to parties with people that I've watched on TV for years. Mm-hmm. This is awesome." And yeah. then at some point, it started to hit me that it was still really fun, but it was really self, it was really selfish. I wasn't allowing anybody else to come in on this story with me. And I didn't really know what kind of good it was bringing to the world. Mm -hmm. Um, other than the lifestyle that I got to live. And, uh, and that, I don't think that was that good for the world, but I don't know what benefit it brought long-term. And so Mm -hmm. it kind of started to humble me and make me question what, what is this all about? And I started to say, well, a lot of this is meaningless. Um, And so what can I, how can I bring meaning to this? And so that was a slow, I mean, it it sounds easy now, but it was a slow transition to asking that question. Like, how do I bring meaning to these things that I'm involved in, or how Mm -hmm. do I switch over to have a life of meaning? So yeah, it's, uh, I'm glad that I'm glad I'm on that path. I think it is the right path, but it was not easy. And it had a lot of, a lot of frustrations along the way.
0: Yeah, I bet. Cause yeah, that path is pretty enticing when you're in it and it's easy to keep chasing it and trying to do things to keep yourself in it. But it's nice that you had that realization, which I'm sure wasn't like overnight, you were like, I can't do this anymore. It's probably was a slow process for you to kind of mm-hmm. let go of the habits or whatever it was that you were doing. So yeah, I'm excited for your new journey.
1: <laughs> I, I am. I am also. And now um, don't get me wrong. If anybody ever wants to invite me to another golf tournament, yeah. um, I'm all for it. Uh, yeah. I'm sure but you're not going my, away. <laughs> yeah. My outlook on it, I hope to, is different. Mm hmm. Um, what I, what I'm doing it for, I hope just is different internally. I hope to be healthier in it. And I'm going to be a husband. Yeah. Um, it's no longer about me at all. Like it's about us. And so like, I have to, like, this is a good thing for me to get into. I'm 32 years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember when my uncle, now this is back in the day, this was, geez, 20 some years ago, but he was 30. So, and in the Midwest, so take this into the consideration. And he was at a dinner, uh, he was 30 and single and he was at a dinner and this older man walked up to him who was single and said, Hey, I want you to ask yourself this question. Do you want to be single forever? And my uncle was like, what do you mean? He's like, I'm just telling you now that if you want to find a partner, you have to start opening up to it now, because the longer you live in singleness and alone and kind of just like dancing around dating and doing whatever, like the more you're going to get stuck in your own ways. I thought that was super offensive at the time, but I'm seeing it like at 32, I have to release some of my old ways because I've gotten pretty, I've, you know, I've lived alone for a while, done this whole thing alone, pretty stuck. And so Mm -hmm. I'm excited to become a good husband. I think this is part of that.
0: Yeah. It's definitely a shift in mindset for sure. Like you can't just be like, I'm ready. Let's do it. You have to like actively (laughs) open yourself up to that idea.
1: Yeah. It's uh, it's just weird. And then when you, I mean, you know this too, like when you have years of your life being recognized for being single. Mm -hmm. um
0: career on it almost
1: (laughs) uh, yeah career on it it's weird (laughs) to like have that away taken away or just Mm -hmm. to have that change i'm ready for it uh but it is it is odd because for five years not only have i been celebrated for being single i also was publicized for being single yeah uh and i'm not gonna be single ever again
0: yeah that's true i've been thinking about that too lately because you go on tv and you get more opportunities for being single
1: but Mm -hmm.
0: now it's like that's not a thing anymore, but I'd rather be where I am than then. But it's also that thing in the back of your mind, like, whoa, I was praised for something that you're trying to end essentially with what <laughs> you're doing, but you're still continuing to get like opportunities from it. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. interesting.
1: Well, and it's also weird because for years, not for years, uh, I think there's two seasons, they called in, uh, after my breakup and said, hey, "Did you want to come back and be the bachelor? Mm-hmm. Or would you consider? I don't know if I like, I would say to phrase it correctly. I think they said, would you ever consider it? so for two years of my life, uh, I was at some point processing, is this right for me? Wrong for me? Do I want to do this? Not want to do it. What does it mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, and I would be lying to you. I, I always said no, because I didn't believe I was healthy enough to do it again or physically could. Um, but I would be lying to you if I didn't say there's a little bit of that every time that felt a little bit like reassuring or like that I was getting some confidence back when they were like, we think you should come back. And I'd be like, Oh yeah. Yeah. They want me back. Yeah. Um, There was a little bit of that that felt good. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but also again, it goes back to my original statement. I I think it felt good for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. So,
0: yep. That's the line. Um, I kind of want to get into the segments that I have. Um, first yeah. one, I always ask people to share something that's surprising, maybe from their nightstand or something with a funny backstory. So what did you bring for us today, Ben Higgins?
1: You know, I, uh, on on the nightstand, I have a um, a humidifier. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a noisemaker. I have a box of tissues um, because I have a terrible allergies but inside of my nightstand i i keep a picture of uh my family what now with jessica um and a couple pieces of writing that i'm going to share in a bit because there's a couple things but a couple pieces of writing that i like to read um that have been passed down to me from my mother um and so when i'm i get really anxious in the evenings so when i go to bed i like to read this stuff to, re- to just kind of calm my soul
0: yeah. It's like a grounding practice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. So that's my nightstand. Um, but uh, you know, it's pretty empty.
0: Do you snore with um all of those machines that you need?
1: Uh, no, I do not snore. In wow. fact, I miss the most important thing on my nightstand. What? Here's a trick to anybody out there. I do not snore. I grind my teeth. Mm, so- uh, <laughs> yeah. So I have a, an amazing Tupperware bowl that has, uh, um in, Yeah, efferent, right? Hmm. Next to it. So I can soak my retainers during the day because <laughs> I put my retainers in before. It's bed necessary. I, it's can't sleep without them. But it's I can't. It's not glamorous, but I can't either. Yeah. I I literally
0: dislocated my jaw one night because I didn't sleep with it. <laughs> so definitely try to it's, avoid that. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. If I travel and I forget them, um, it's not beyond me if I'm gone for a week to have them overnighted. Like
0: I mean, it's important. It's like it's, that and contacts.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's super important. So that's on the nightstand also.
0: Okay. Yeah, I've actually noticed. I don't know if you've noticed this with your night guard. It kind of thins out your face because you're not using those muscles during the night. So ah. it's, it's almost like cosmetic in a way, even though it's really unattractive at night.
1: <laughs> that's worth it. That's and once nice. I mean, once you fall in love, what's a, what's a retainer? I mean, there's a lot of weirder stuff that you have to see. Way
0: weirder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just gotta do it from the beginning. Like the first few days when you just pretend not to have a retainer or like to have all these things that you put in your face and you just kind of have to like do it from the jump and just be like, here I am, accept me. Or <laughs> yeah, this is it. And,
1: but and over time you get used to it. I remember when Jessica uh first would visit Denver, she would, you know, do that whole like, No, nothing's no, I have I do nothing. I'm just I'm always pretty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then that stopped. And yeah. I remember the first time she walked in and she does she has this like white like zit cream thing that she like polka dots her face with um and then she like she like puts this like glossy stuff over that or something that like hydrates her skin through the night Mm -hmm. and she pulls her hair up and she puts in her retainers and the first time i was like whoa um and now if she does it like i i i don't even know if i recognize any but it's just like just a thing like it's just there it's great
0: and she has a lovely skincare process, so I'm sure that is working wonders for her. So
1: it's key. I get to watch eating. a lot of basketball because she does that at night and mm-hmm. it's like 30 minutes of her doing that. And I get to watch basketball. I know.
0: My boyfriend's it. like asleep by the time I finish my skincare routine. He's like, do you have to do it every night? I'm like, yeah, it's a routine. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh-huh. I
0: get it. Um, is there anything that's been kind of on your heart or mind lately that you kind of want to share or talk through?
1: I do. Uh, can I, can I take like a minute and read this?
0: Yes, please.
1: Okay. So this is some, this is what I was talking about. That was next to, to my bed. It's been, it's incredible. Um, it's by Richard Rohr and Brian McLaren. So this is what it says. Uh, here, let me read the most important uh, paragraph to realize that some growth is slow, that all processes are not swift. I cannot always discriminate between what takes time to develop and what can be rushed. Because my sense of time is dulled, I measure things in terms of happenings. Oh, to understand the meaning of perspective that I may do all things with a profound sense of leisure. Um, And then it moves on to say, um, much time is spent on things that are not very important, while significant things are put into an insignificant place. In my scheme of order, I must unscramble my affairs so that my life will become order. Oh, God, I need thy sense of order. And then this last paragraph, I need thy sense of future. Teach me to know that life is ever on the side of the future. Keep alive in me the forward look, the high hope, the onward surge. Let me not be frozen either by the past or with the present. Grant me, O oh, patience, Father. Um, this for a sense of the future without which all life would be sinking sicken and die. That's by Howard Thurman Hmm. Um, and shared from Richard Rohr's meditations that I read every morning. The book is, uh, Oh God, I need the in conversations with God, two centuries of prayers by African-Americans. So it's, that's what's on my mind right now is just to be, I think what that's really, like what I take that as is um, to be helpful for a future, to be honored, um, to be present in the moment, also to take, to not be um, dependent on time and urgency, to be of leisure, to understand that things will change slowly over time that I just need to be ready for them and continue to grow. So
0: I love that. I love the part especially too to not focus on things that don't really matter because I feel like we always do that. And I think you even mentioned that in your book. Mm-hmm. about how we just spend so much time focusing on trivial things, which at the end of the day or the end of our lives, like will those things matter and no. So it's mm-hmm. like reshifting your focus to what does. And I like mm-hmm. that you have that reminder every day because we easily forget that with our busy lives and things that come up and things that we're working on and the stress of the future. It's nice to have that reminder right by your bedside. So thank you. That'd be
1: awesome if like somebody would wake me up shake me every day and be like yeah. focus on the things that matter yeah. we all run this race and so many people like what if we could all just focus on the things that matter and in my mind right now some somebody, somebody when they ask the question like what does matter i'm really mm-hmm. at a place where like my answer to that is to love god and love others um and especially mm-hmm. love others well and, and and purposefully and hard and um so you know, that's what's important to me. So how do I focus on that every day? And if I did that, what would that look like? Like if I just went out my day and say, how can I care for those around me better today? That'd be, that'd be exciting.
0: I think that was also how you kind of ended your book too. It's like loving others is what, because then it takes the pressure so much off of yourself because you're not thinking about yourself so much. You're thinking about other people and people that matter to you. So it makes it a little bit easier, I think. Thank you than having book, to constantly worry about yourself.
1: Yeah. Hey, you're right. Um, that book was a cry. You know, I wrote a in Plain Sight, uh, a lot of it when we were on tour together um, yeah. in a tour bus and was typing up a lot about those chapters when we would meet random people at these events and mm-hmm. they would be very, I mean, honestly, other than a few really odd comments. Um, people were like, <laughs> like a lot of odd, yeah, a lot of, maybe a lot of odd comments <laughs> from people. We I we got to meet so many different people and cool people and people that knew so much about us and supported us mm-hmm. and had traveled long distances to see us. And I started just to write, like, what does it look like to care for these people well? Or like, what does these interactions even mean? Are they just me to do them and get out? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times that's how I felt. But um, uh, yeah. Also, is there any like purpose to these meetings, meetings of people? And so that, yeah, the book, the book was kind of a cry from a place of, um, it was weird, like meeting all these people. And then all of a sudden being told, Hey, this is done. Life slows down. We're all back home. And I'm like, I don't know what any of this means anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, but thank you for reading the book. That means a lot to me.
0: Yeah, it was wonderful. I'm glad I finally got to like fully read it. But um I wanted to ask you, because you're you seem to have like a message with wanting to start the book. And you said that it took you two years to write, which I've never written a book. So that seems like a normal amount of time. But you've told other people that was like a longer time to write a book. But Like, what was your, I guess, message going into it? Like, what was your idea of why you wanted to write it? And did it kind of shift as over those two years? And as you started writing, like, what were the changes that you noticed? Yeah. Writing that book?
1: Well, you know, I think two years is, I mean, I'm not an author. Um, You are now. (laughs) I am now. Um, But like professional writers, I think, have to pump out books a little faster than two years. I would imagine. I actually don't know. It just felt like a long time because it felt like for it was two years of my life, it was constantly on my mind. And I was always trying to hear stories and pick up stories to put into it or to build concepts around the mess. The book started with, it was my really personal journal. um, And it was just like me trying to figure out like where I was at in life all the time, like writing down maybe just even a sentence every couple of days. I'm like, Hey, today I feel lonely today I feel confused, today I feel super at peace and there's a lot of joy in my life and I'm really excited for this event coming up. Like I just kind of like was writing this stuff down to get an idea of like where I was trending and what was causing the different things. So then the book opportunity came and I was like, I have a message to share. And what I think this message that I wanna share is this, um, that what I'm realizing is the more I write down my my biggest insecurities and also my biggest successes, Um, it makes me more relatable, not in a sense of fandom, but in a sense of being a good friend, a good son, a good, you know, fiance. And when I write these in my journal, they really just feel pretty lonely. Like, because I'm not really sharing with anybody. When I share them with people, then something, some magic starts to happen. And so my message of the book is with a hope that anybody reads, it just feels, simply feels less alone. They don't have to agree with everything that's said. They don't have to share the same faith as me. Um, But what they can do is hear this the stories of pains and struggles, uh, successes, um, joys, and say, if one other person feels this way, or if one other person has struggled with addiction, et cetera, et cetera, then possibly just maybe there's many more. And maybe those are the things that make all of us more connected than ever. And, and what my hope was that just somebody would close the book and maybe just feel like they could get up and walk one more day Mm-hmm. Um, stay stay alive one more day because they just knew that other people were in it with them.
0: I love that someone like you is writing that because you look at you from the outside, and someone like was the Bachelor was the host of this, wrote a book, like has a podcast. You see, they seem to have it all together, and don't go through the same things that everyone else goes through. And I think by you writing it, you're just lifting that veil to being like, I'm the same as all of you out there. And just because I've had these opportunities doesn't mean I haven't experienced the same pain or the same um, trials as other people. And I love that you're able to kind of show that through such a, like a large platform as you have um, and get it to more people, which is really awesome.
1: It's an interesting point because as I've gone in this transition phase of life, uh, I don't know what else to call it right now. I'll come up with a better word at some point. I've been asking people around me, like, how do you think, how do you see me? And then how do you think others see me?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which is such a scary question to ask.
0: It's terrifying.
1: It's a terrifying. <laughs> like, I've never walked into that and not, and like, a lot of that has been, been the, from, well, from the outside, I think people just think you, you have it going, like you've got it together. And you just, a,
0: yeah.
1: It's like, well, that's a little bit of a disservice to me because internally I don't feel like that. And so mm. if that assumption is the way we walk into relationship and conversation, or if that's the way people perceive me, then like, what happens when I don't have it all together? Mm. Does your view of me just completely get blown up? Like, do I, am I no longer welcomed into your, at your table? Am, am I no longer mm. a friend of yours? Like, um, and so the, the, the difference with that, which I'm learning is I try now to go into every meeting with somebody, understand they probably have something going on. Like they have some type, sort of pain and struggle yeah. right now. And so that just allows it to at least be a, uh, an expectant place for them to open up at some point and say, yeah, Hey, I'm, I'm going through addiction. I'm, you know, I've cheated on my spouse, like whatever, like at least then I can sit within that moment and know that like that relationship isn't going away. It just, I have to play a different role. So it's interesting that people have seen and, and like perceive it that way. Because as much as I would like to try to say, hey, I I feel like I got you know I'm I'm working hard to keep things in line. It, it's not always that way. It's it's it I, I'm I'm tossing back and forth between failure and peace and joy all the time. Mm-hmm.
0: It's all perspective, I think, and it's it changes how you're going to view other people and yourself. Just when you have that different view, um, when you came out with your story and your uh, book, and even when you had that conversation on television, which was, I think the turning point for you, I think maybe that started this journey towards like opening up about the side of yourself. Like, what did you notice from like the Ben before that and the Ben now, like how has your life changed from like owning these insecurities and Mm. voicing them so loudly to people? Like, what have you noticed? And so someone can have that hope for if they do the same thing for themselves.
1: Oh, a couple of things. One is a big burden lifted. Mm. Um, it's just it's a weight that just like is removed the second is the the negative is a lot more ability to get hurt you open yourself up to people taking those that insecurities and those vulnerabilities and using against you and that pain stings deep and it haunts and it tells you a narrative and a story in your mind that's really hard to get rid of that's the scary part but the positive is the burden lifted um the connections made the freedom that it brings and then an odd way like the confidence that surrounds me. Um, cause I don't have a lot to hide and mm-hmm. some people have to, I get it. I had a, something to hide for years of my life. Um, but I just don't have a lot to be fearful of. And the more pain that people cause me by using my insecurities against me, the tougher I get. And so then I'm, I'm almost, um, it's almost impossible for me, um, to be offended or to be hurt by people using, Their insecurities against my insecurities uh, because I know where they're coming from and I've almost built up a a muscle to fight that and to push it aside and to say, no, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep running this race.
0: Yeah, that's huge because I think the biggest fear around insecurity is like having people find them out. Hmm. And I think that's why we keep the walls up for so long because we're so afraid if like I show you my insecurities, then you won't love me or then you'll judge me for them. But by you owning them, they can't do that necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, people can still judge, but it, there's less um, weights in them because you've owned them and you've shown them. There's nothing else yeah. to hide because you're just kind of out here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. What else are you going to do to hurt me? I've already yeah. I've already opened this up. I've gotten it in front of you. Um And then, and then also like the people that can communicate back with me and say like, thank you. Or I read this and this has helped me in this way. Like, that's just cool. Like I, that's just a huge benefit to this is I get to get stories of people saying like, especially when it comes to addiction, like I opened up about addiction for the first time in my book and like the responses to that have been incredible, um, and you would be shocked at the n- number of people that come back and say like, I'm in it or I just got, I'm trying to get out of it or I got out of it or my, my son or daughter's in it. Uh, that's just a special place to be able to sit mm-hmm. and, and, and to try to be a voice of hope for these, for these people.
0: Yeah. Um, I wonder too, cause you talked about defining yourself and how we always are like, hi, my name is this, I do this and I'm mm-hmm. here. Like, how do you now define yourself after these revelations and knowing that before you're defining yourself as I'm Ben, I am was the bachelor, I have generous, like, well, how do you define yourself now?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, that's consistently changing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I attempt to do is when somebody asks me, like, who are you? Uh, my response is, is, is my typical response is somebody completely searching who um, knows very little, but has really enjoyed getting to love on people. And now if it's somebody more random and they don't want like a heavy answer, uh, yeah. my response is, uh, is usually in the lines of, Hey, I'm Ben. Um, I feel really lucky to be in this moment and I'm really excited to get to know you because here's the problem that I'm, fighting through is as I'm consistently changing my emotions and who, how I describe myself um, and like my intrigue has been pulled away from myself into others more. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, But if it was a simple question, I was in a trusted place. It would say, I'm a child of God. I am loved. Um, I'm deeply flawed. I'm really confused. Um, But I know that when I love God and love people, well, uh, life makes more sense to me. Um, Mm -hmm. That would be my my safe response. And in in most situations, because I believe all that to be true, it's proven to be true. And there's nothing around that that I believe should or will go away in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. Do you
0: feel with this like less alone after owning up to these things? Are you still kind of do you teeter back and forth between feeling like alone or like within a community?
1: I don't know if you follow the Enneagram, um, at all.
0: I've been told about this, but I, I need to fill one out. So no, not
1: really, but. (laughs) Okay. So just for anybody out there that does, I'm an Enneagram four, there's like nine different personality types or nine different Enneagram types. And I'm a four and a four, I'm a strong four and a four is somebody who is more comfortable kind of in the melancholy, uh, is more comfortable internal, like with internal, like, um, like meditation is, uh, I feel in my healthiest that, um, that I am unique and wonderfully made at my worst. I feel like an outsider looking in at the party that I wasn't invited to. Um, and I feel deeply flawed. So, um, I think I'll always fall back and forth. I think that what's makes me, me, Uh, I think it's one of the things that I now, as I learn more about myself, one of the things I love the most is that because I live in this place of back and forth, it, I don't live in a fairy tale land, which allows me to be a a safe place for those who are hurting, especially my friends. Mm -hmm. Um, like I'm willing to, I I am willing to go there. I actually enjoy kind of going to their tough places. So I'll always live in that what's happened though, is instead of being ashamed of that and trying to change that and my, you know, my friends and family being like, why are you always like up or down or whatever? Uh, I just now can respond to it like that's what makes me me
0: yeah
1: um and own it and know that like I'm not there's there there's nothing wrong with that that's who I am so that's been the confidence and then like the confidence has led to me feeling less alone because I just I I think that's what makes me a, a piece of the puzzle
0: yeah And I think it's important to really know yourself and how you're going to show up differently every day and not letting yourself fall into like that's not good enough or I'm not good enough because I'm not like Mm -hmm. here right now. Um, I think that's important then to really know like who who you are and then owning that within any situation that you're in. I think we all have that voice, that inner critic of like I'm not good enough. I'm okay. This is Ben. he's owned these things, but he's got this and this and this. I can't have that. Like, what do you say to people to kind of quiet that voice? Cause I think we all have it to some degree, some better than others. How do you quiet that inner critic?
1: Well, a few like really practical things. Um, exercise helps me, uh, mm-hmm. takes my mind off of it. Meditation helps me. I like to meditate and there's like some really cool Eastern practices where like breathing techniques, like there's some really mm-hmm. great breathing techniques out there that, um, you probably know through yoga, uh, and and, belly breath. Yeah. Like some belly breath. There's like a a humming thing you can do that like calms the central nervous system Mm -hmm. Uh, that helps if I'm like anxious, but I also like to meditate and let like my thoughts just flow over me. Um, like let everything that I'm thinking and feeling like be told to myself, because instead of like just moving throughout the day and getting angry and frustrated, like I can allow myself to get back in touch with what I'm feeling and thinking um the the final thing that i've done in my life is when i start to feel not enough i start to write down um what it would mean for me to be enough like what are the accomplishments what are the titles what are the goals what are the whatever in my life that would make me feel like enough and then dig into each of those like hey i want to be the a, a ceo of a company well one um, what does that look like and mean, what would I have to give up in the process? Is that really going to fill my inner mm-hmm. like demons, um, to maybe, you know, you want to be on television or you have a million, you know, TikTok followers. Um, okay. Like, uh, what do you want to do with that? What would that look like once you have it? Um, who would you say that you were? What bit? and like really start to ask yourself those questions, because I think the things that haunt us the most are the things that we feel like we're missing out the most on, are not things that are going to fulfill us either Mm. and so i like to write down stuff and kind of like diagnose and break down like what it is that i'm actually asking for Mm. um and that's that's typically in life helped me it's not quick though i will say like kind of like the the message i just read like it takes a lot of time and it does not happen overnight and there's never been a time where i've gone out on a walk to to meditate and pray And I've came back and like, all right, it's all fixed. Um, It takes time.
0: Yeah. I like that process because it kind of strips your ego away a little bit. Like, why do I want these things? Is it because it's really cool to have these things and everyone thinks, going to think I'm really cool to have them. Or is it because like I want it to help this person or I want it to fulfill this need Hmm. versus a want in a way. So I like that it kind of puts again, perspective on it.
1: Show me one person who has gotten incredibly famous and it's filled their void. Um, yeah. There, I mean, some people have become famous and done it well. Um, some people have used attention and, for really good things, but fame for the f- seek of relevancy only has never satisfied the human soul or the human mind. It just never has. It always falls short or it brings on a whole new list of complications and issues. And and again, I'm not against it. It's just like is that I anytime that becomes this the pursuit, I believe that we're running um an unfulfilling path.
0: I agree. That's the, yeah. Because if you that's the problem with a lot of things, like you finally get there and it still feels empty. And mm-hmm. then you're like, well what what's the point now? Like mm-hmm. I'm here. I've I've manifested everything I ever wanted, but it it still feels empty. Hmm. So yeah, it's more coming from like the why. Yeah. So it's hard to do, but because um, everyone wants to like accomplish goals and feel like they've arrived, but it, there has to be purpose or like a why behind it. Otherwise, it's like, eh, yeah, that was great. Now what?
1: Now what? Oh, I, I'm not um, as famous as this person. I need mean, to keep going, keep, going, keep yeah. going.
0: Yeah. There's never enough, right? You, there can never be enough if you're working from that place Mm -hmm. because you get there and you're like, well, I'm still don't have as much as that person. Yeah. So, um, last few questions I have, you have a podcast now hope still wins. Yeah. And I think you, didn't you start it like during the pandemic on Instagram with like the lives, Mm -hmm. which is great. And this idea of hope, which we all need. And especially last year we needed, but like, how have you personally found hope through like crazy times? And like, how do you give advice to someone that's like, uh, I, I have all these reasons not to be hopeful. I have all these reasons working against me because you've shared so many stories of your own and then stories of like people going through really difficult times who still have hope. Like what is that key that you need or that you can work towards to still remain hopeful Mm -hmm. during times like that?
1: Yeah. You know, I think hope. So yes, we did start it with an Instagram live of the pandemic and then it turned into a podcast because I did want it to be a little more platform agnostic. Mm -hmm. The one thing I've learned, um, from people of all different backgrounds, uh, races, sexual orientation, um, cultures is that for some people, um, hope is a concept they don't believe to be true because in order to be hopeful for something, you have to have something in your past to point to, to say, I believe the future is going to get better. But if your place of life has always gotten worse, it's hard to be hopeful that that will change now. Mm -hmm. You can add into that then the argument that, yes, hope is gritty. It is difficult. Um, and it also takes humans to step up and say, I see the issues arising. How can I be a part of the solution? Um, and so that is what I'm hopeful for. That is what I've seen a common trend in all these stories. And the stories of Alone in Plain Sight, my book, and the stories from the people of the podcast is it's a bunch of people who uh, individually have said, I wanna be a part of the solution. I wanna be a part of making this world a better place. Um, not because I've seen it in the past, not because I even believe it can happen, but because I believe it is responsibility. I believe it is a call. I believe it is an opportunity for me in my life. Um, and so I'm gonna work towards fighting injustice. I'm gonna work towards alleviating pains that are unnecessary. I'm gonna work for caring for the poor. I'm gonna work for helping people feel more known, more loved. Um, And that's what brings me hope within it all is that Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, humans have this, I believe, innate desire, if we want to respond to or not, to care for those around us. And it it brings about a whole new purpose and a whole new joy in the human when they choose to do it. It's like we're made for it. It's like we're meant Mm -hmm. for it. It's like we were designed to love others well. And that's what brings me hope.
0: And I love that you're continuing to provide those examples for people to hear, read, see because I think the the more that you people can see that it, for other people are making it possible or even that they're working towards that or they're even like picking themselves back up from crazy things that have happened to them, it makes it a little bit more, I guess, easy for people to see it for themselves, which Mm -hmm. is it's like having reverberation effects you probably don't even realize when Mm -hmm. it goes out like that.
1: And there's people all over, you know, It's people uh, from all different places of life, it's your next door neighbor who just chooses to bring dinner over to you that day. Cause you're sick. Like it's, it's all over. And it's that, and all of us have the opportunity for it. It's mm-hmm. universal.
0: True. I agree. Um, last question on that. You have, like I said, you were the bachelor, you were the host of bachelor live. You were, wrote a book, you have a podcast, you're getting married. Like what is next for you? And life or what do you hope to be next in order to fill this like fulfilled life that you're seeking
1: well i really would like hopes to wins to continue um Mm -hmm. i would really like to sit in a place in life where i get to share stories and talk about stories and cultivate stories of people just doing incredible things and using the platform that's been handed to me to distribute that that would be a dream um i want to be a really good husband um i want jessica to feel loved to never doubt the support to never doubt the love to be the biggest and best version of herself. Um, and she'd do it without me. Um, but I want to be an asset that as she does it, she knows she has a safe place to fall back on if things don't go well. Um, and I'm, so I want to do that. I want to, um, be a good friend and a good family member over the next few years in a different light, like not because necessarily I can give them anything, but just because I'm still here. So that's kind of what I'm looking forward to generous. Uh, my coffee company, go to generous coffee.com, buy some coffee today. Um, so good. Yeah, yeah, that, that is just a, that's a passion of mine that I still believe will do great things in this world. We donate a hundred percent of the profits to nonprofits. Um, I don't make any money on it, but I believe it's going to be a huge deal for this world. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I would like that to continue. Um, COVID was really hard on us. Uh, and so we're, we're tweaking, we're moving, we're grooving, we're going to get back, um, to be better than ever. Um, but Mm. COVID was tough.
0: Yeah. I love all those. I think it's a great path. It feels very aligned for you. And I think with being in that like aligned place and having those, that purpose, like things kind of unfold for you for where you're supposed to be. So I think that's awesome. Um, I'm just gonna do my final questions and then we'll be off. Cool. Um, so Ben, when was the last time you might have overshared something with all of the sharing that you do? And it would you want to take it back or shift what you did or said or whatever it was?
1: Well, this week the headlines have read that I had a breakdown and then I'm back in Indiana mm-hmm. to recover. Um oh. <laughs> Yeah. Uh and I might have like I didn't have a breakdown. I think it's just, mm-hmm. I think it in like maybe my language there was wrong. Like it's been a consistent breaking uh, down of things. That's a good thing. Yeah. Um, It's something to be celebrated. Also something to not, like I'm really thankful for the messages because it's not an easy thing, but it's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I maybe overshared there because I think people think I'm like really losing myself and that's okay if you are, Um, but I'm not. Uh, In fact, I feel like I'm like, I feel like this is great. Um, I feel like I'm, ripping away a lot of the things that are unnecessary and adding to things that maybe I believe can be better for the future. But the the whole headline thing of having a breakdown um, mm. and leaving Jessica to go back to Indiana, just not true. She was here too. No,
0: <laughs> don't believe everything that you read. <laughs> yeah, she was with me. Isn't there a song that was like on Grace and Maddie? It's like beauty in the breakdown.
1: Yeah, I think that's that awesome. is. Yeah,
0: that could be your theme song. That's it. I think that's great. Um. Last two questions. What do you want to be, Ben, remembered by?
1: That I gave more than I took.
0: I think that is exactly what you do. And then final question. Um, What Can you share one last piece of advice with my audience? It can be like huge, small, whatever advice you got.
1: Advice I got. Well, this is the advice that I'm sticking to because I don't have a lot of advice to give in life. Um, But I do know this to be true. Um, That no matter where you're at, no matter what you do, no matter what uh, how you feel right now, you have the unique ability to make a difference in this world because you still have breath. And then I believe that is a call. I believe that is a purpose, I believe is a, a demand on your life to go out and help those who are hurting, including yourself, um, feel more loved, more seen, more healed, less alone. And I think it starts now. I don't think it starts with a, I'll do that next week. I think it starts right now in the smallest of ways or in the biggest of ways. Um, but no matter what you're at or what you've done or where you, th- how insignificant you feel, you've got an opportunity. And I would just call you to do that because I believe that when you do that, life becomes more rich, more full of joy, more full of stories, more full of connection, um, and you become a community maker and not a community taker.
0: Mm, I love it. Ben, I miss these talks. I miss your inspiration. I miss your prayer before um, every show. <laughs> I just miss it. It's been
1: great. It's too. It's weird. We, uh, it's weird we lived together in a tour bus and within one night we were separated ripped
0: away from us
1: <laughs> but it was one of the most special things ever and getting to meet you and be with you for that long yeah it's a gift um but thank exactly. you exactly
0: of course well thank you for being here and sharing yourself and everything that you do that is it for me today, you guys. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. Before you go, make sure that you rate, review, and follow, as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode. And one thing you can share in the meantime, this podcast, obviously. Send it to a friend who needs some inspiration or give us some love on social media and tag us at something the share podcast on Instagram. And I'll see you next Wednesday.